MMT, Modern Monetary Theory, is fake economics. In this era of monetary fiction, one tends to read all types of undocumented and misguided views on monetary policy. However, if there is one that really is infuriating, is the MMT, or Modern Monetary Theory, science fiction. One of its main principles is based on a fallacy. It says, a country with monetary sovereignty can issue all the debt it needs without default risk. First, it is untrue. A report by David Beers at the Bank of Canada has identified more than 27 sovereigns involved in local currency defaults between 1960 and 2016. David Beers explains, quote, A long-held view by some investors is that governments rarely default on local or domestic currency sovereign debt. After all, they say, governments can service these obligations by printing money, which in turn can reduce the real burden of debt through inflation and dramatically so in cases like Germany in the 1923 and Yugoslavia in 1993-94. Of course, it's true that inflation can be a form of de facto default on local currency debt. Still, Contractual defaults and restructurings occur and are more common than is often supposed, unquote. And this is important why? Because one of the reasons why some of the countries that implement these MMT measures go into a constant process of crisis and recession is because the collapse of the support and confidence in the currency is immense. There is no demand for that currency either in the foreign countries or in the domestic savers and domestic citizens. It is important to understand this. No, a country with monetary sovereignty cannot issue all the debt it needs without default risk. It needs to issue in foreign currency precisely because few trust their monetary policies and their currency. Most local citizens are actually the first ones to avoid domestic currency exposure and buy, for example, US dollars, gold or cryptocurrencies now, fearing the inevitable. The United States cannot issue all the debt it needs. There is always a cost that is attached to that debt according to the perception of uh, the level of solvency and the level of liquidity of the U.S. economy, which, by the way, is the leading global economy. Therefore, it is relative to how the solvency and liquidity of other economies are. Most governments will try to cover their fiscal and trade imbalances by devaluing and making all savers and citizens poorer. Another of the fallacies is the following, quote, A country with monetary sovereignty can issue all the currency it needs. That is also a fallacy. Monetary sovereignty is not something the government decides. Confidence and use of fiat currency are not dictated by the government, nor does it give said government the power to do what it wants with monetary policy. Citizens all over the world have stopped accepting the government-issued and denominated currency when confidence in its purchasing power has been destroyed after increasing the money supply well above its real demand for years.
That is why the Sucre in Ecuador or the Colón in El Salvador collapse, or why the Argentine peso and the Venezuelan Bolivar or the uh, Iran real are widely rejected by local and international citizens. There are numerous fiat currencies that have failed or disappeared. As Michael Sanable writes, quote, a nation's currency is not exempt from the laws of supply and demand. So more that is printed, the less it is worth, unquote. Currency collapses and failures are frequent, but more importantly, even if some survive, domestic and international demand is irreparably damaged. Given that the world of currencies is a relative one, the average citizen of the world will prefer gold, even cryptocurrencies, US dollars, maybe euros, despite their own imbalances, rather than their own currencies. Why is this? When governments and central banks worldwide try to implement the same mistaken monetary policy of the US and Europe or Japan, but without their investment security institutions, capital freedom and international demand, then they fall into their own trap. They destroy their own citizens' trust in the purchasing power of the currency. The MMT answer would be that all that is needed then is stable and trustworthy institutions. Well, it does not work either. The first crack in that trust is precisely currency manipulation to finance bloated government spending. It is happening to the euro and it is happening to the yen. The average citizen may not understand monetary debasement, but certainly understands that their currency is not a valid reserve of value or generalized means of payment. Because the value of the currency is not dictated by the government or what the government wants, but by the latest purchase agreements made with such means of payment. Governments always see economic cycles as a problem of demand that they need to stimulate with currency issuing. They see debt and asset bubbles as small collateral damages worth assuming in the quest for inflation. And crises become more frequent while debt soars and recoveries become weaker. The imbalances of the US, the Eurozone or Japan are also evident in the weak productivity growth, high debt and diminishing effectiveness of those policies. Monetary stimulus don't work and the evidence is pretty clear. Countries don't borrow in foreign currency because they are dumb or stupid or ignore the MMT science fiction, but because savers don't want government currency debasement risk, no matter what yield. The first ones that avoid domestic currency debt tend to be domestic savers and investors, precisely because they understand the purchasing history and the destruction of the purchasing power that their governments have implemented through monetary policy. Around 48% of the world's 30 trillion in cross-border loans are priced in US dollars up from 40% a decade ago, according to the Bank of International Settlements. Again, not because countries are stupid and don't want to issue in local currency, but because there is little real demand. Ultimately, even if only the United States is quote-unquote monetarily sovereign, it can also lose its status as world reserve currency as the confidence in the purchasing power of the currency, the economy, and 
the ability to repay its debt dissolve. Governments cannot unilaterally decide to issue all the debt they need in local currency precisely because of the widespread lack of confidence in the central bank or the government's perverse incentive to devalue at will. The same trick that they use as a solution, that is, that they can issue all the debt they want because then they can devalue, is precisely the reason, the reason why they cannot issue all the debt that they want. As reserves dry up and citizens see that their government is destroying purchasing power of the currency, the local savers read ministers talk about economic war and foreign interference, but they know that what really is happening is a massive increase in monetary imbalances, and they run away. It is the domestic saver and investor that runs away from the local currency first. It is not evil international markets. Inflation is not solved with more taxation. Many MMT proponents solve this equation of inflation caused by monetary excess, denying that inflation is always a monetary phenomenon and saying that inflation would be solved by taxation. Is it not fantastic? The government benefits the first from newly created money, massively increases its imbalances and blames inflation on the last recipients of money created, savers and the private sector, so it, quote-unquote, solves the inflation created by the government by taxing citizens again. Inflation is taxation without legislation, as Milton Friedman said. First, the government policy makes a transfer of wealth from savers to the political sector, and then it increases taxes to, quote-unquote, solve inflation. It creates double taxation. Those two factors, inflation and high taxation, negatively impact on competitiveness and ease to attract capital, making weaker the currency and lower the confidence on its purchasing power. It relegates a nation to an enormous loss of potential and, in the case, for example, of Argentina, to the final positions of the World Economic Forum Index when it should be at the top. Excessive inflation and high taxes are two almost identical factors that hide an excessive public expenditure that has acted as a break on economic activity, since it, is, since it is not considered as a service to facilitate economic activity, but as an end in itself. The idea that a country's debt is not a liability, but simply an asset that will be absorbed by savers no matter what is incorrect, as it does not consider three factors. No debt is an asset because the government says so, but because there is real demand for it. The government does not decide the demand for a bond or credit instruments. It is savers and investors. And savings are not unlimited, hence deficit spending is not endless either. No debt instrument is an attractive asset if it is imposed onto savers through repression. Even if the government imposes the confiscation of savings to cover its imbalances, capital flight intensifies. It is literally like making a human body stop breathing in order to conserve oxygen. The debt is simply impossible to assume when the investor and saver know that the government will destroy purchasing power at any cost to benefit from inflating its way out of debt. The reaction is immediate. Investors simply fly away. So it's not true that the government can issue more units of debt 
and consider them reserves when nobody wants them because they don't consider them as reserves. The socialist idea that governments artificially creating money will not cause inflation because the supply of money will rise in tandem with supply and demand for goods and services is simply science fiction. A government does not have a better or more accurate understanding of the needs and demands for goods and services or the productive capacity of the economy. In fact, it has all the incentives to overspend and transfer its inefficiencies to everyone else. As such, like any perverse incentive under the so-called, quote-unquote, stimulate internal demand, unquote, fallacy, the government simply creates larger monetary imbalances to disguise the fiscal deficit created by spending and lending without real economic return, creating massive inflation, economic stagnation as productivity collapses and impoverishes everyone and loses the confidence in the currency. The reality is that currency strength and real long-term demand for bonds are the ultimate signs of the health of a monetary system. When everyone tries to play the Federal Reserve without the US economic freedom and institutions and global demand for the currency, they only play the fool. Monetary illusion may delay the inevitable crisis, but it happens faster and harder when imbalances are ignored. However, when it fails, the MMT crowd will tell you that it was not done properly and that the country was not monetarily sovereign and whatever other excuse. The reality is that no country is monetarily sovereign, that the sovereignty is only provided by the confidence given by domestic and international investors. And that can disappear as fast as money printing can happen. It is you, not them, who do not understand what money is. That's what they always say. You don't understand what money is. No, the reality is that it is them who don't understand what money is. Money has to be a reserve of value, a unit of measure, and a generalized mean of payment. And those three are only achieved by the confidence generated by the next person that is going to use that currency, not by the government. It's not unlimited supply and demand matter also for currencies.